Welcome to the Sacred Spaces podcast, where we discuss ways to create spaces of trust and depth around God's Word. Imagine a place where you are seen, known, and loved by God and others. I call that a sacred space. I am your host, Amber Simpson, and this is a place for us to discuss topics that get to the heart of leading and connecting in small groups. This podcast comes from the women's ministry at Entrust that exists to develop biblically equipped leaders who nurture, develop, and deploy others for kingdom impact. I hope you come away from here with a little more confidence and joy as you journey together in community. And now, on to the podcast. Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This week, we are wrapping up the month of February discussing adult learning. And today, I have a dear friend that I don't get to see nearly enough. Coming to us from Canada is Mo Blackman. Thanks for joining us today, Mo. Well, thank you, Amber. It's a real joy to be here. Now, Mo, you are a longtime certified facilitator with us at Entrust. But you were also instrumental in launching a national training movement for Christian women who are leaders in Latvia. So I think our listeners would love to hear some details about this. Would you share a few your journey there? Yes, I'd love to. It's, uh, awesome. it's a beautiful God story. Um, so the Lord called me to serve him in Latvia when I was fresh out of Bible college and only seven years as a believer, and when Latvia was only two years free of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So everything was new to all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, at first, I was involved with a lot of evangelism and discipleship of youth. And then as years went on, I began to help women in particular grow spiritually. And I used and trusts Walking with Christ discipleship course, which had been translated into Latvian. Yeah, so now, seven years later, or a little less than that, uh, we have 47 women leaders in Latvia that have taken one, two, three, or four of our modules. Wow. Um, Yeah. I just love this story. I never get tired of hearing this story. And I've briefly met some of these uh, Latvian sisters and hope they'll come on as guests someday soon because they're all amazing. It's very exciting. And um, six of our graduates are now facilitating these trainings for leaders at a hub level. Mm-hmm. And uh, we have three of our four core modules already in the Latvian language with a fourth one on its way. It's a real testament to the contextualization that goes on with the Entrust materials. We mm-hmm. take a serious look at how to be appropriate to their culture, but also not to keep our presence in another culture, but to turn it over to nationals so that they can be the leadership and the presence in that culture and that uh, we can pass it on to the locals in that area. So Mm -hmm. I just love the story and they are doing amazing work. And um, that's a true testament to the power of multiplication, which is what we're all about. Mm -hmm. And so this ministry in Latvia is now totally led and organized by Latvians. They have a fantastic team. 
And mm-hmm. honestly, they've kind of become a poster child within interest of how a national training movement can be done with real excellence, with creativity, mm-hmm. um, and just staying true to the word of God and appropriate to their culture. So today we are wrapping up our uh month's discussion on adult learning. We've talked about the way adults contribute to the learning environment. We've talked about how learning goes beyond uh, content acquisition to life transformation and how learning and processing styles impact the group dynamic. Today, I'd love to talk about metaphors for learning. We use metaphors to understand and experience one thing by relating it to another. So I want to use metaphors to help us understand different ways we can interact with each other to integrate content into daily living and transformational learning. So first, let's talk about that transformational learning. That's a big mouthful. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but let's, let's try to break that down. And uh, we love to go back to scripture. So Let's go back to the Great Commission. Jesus tells his disciples to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, teaching them to obey all he's commanded. So what ways do these commands inform us how he wants us to grow and learn? Well, I think that's a great question. And I appreciate um, this foundational anchor or the scripture to anchor us as we think about this transformational learning, um, how he wants us to grow. So I think the first thing that I notice here is just the command to make disciples. Mm-hmm. And so what comes to my mind is, well, how do we follow Jesus' example in doing that? How did he make disciples? Mm-hmm. Um, there's books written about this, uh, but just a few things that stand out. Um, one is that he invited them to be with him, like really just mm-hmm. to do life with him, to eat together, to be mm-hmm. at social events together. Uh, they ministered to other people together. They were in each other's homes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, as I think back to, uh, last November, just before things shut down um, mm-hmm. very strongly with COVID, we we did a co-ed training, the facilitator training, which is our first module in Entrust um, here in my local church. Mm-hmm. And um, I loved that I was able to meet with just about everyone in their home at some point. I was able to uh, be together with them to help them get registered online or to explain about the three months of preparation before we actually mm-hmm. meet. And then certainly to pray together once they hear about those three months. <laughs> <laughs> but it, For sure. Yeah. And it, it just, all of that personal interaction really, really helped, really bonded us mm-hmm. together. Um, I could answer their questions and concerns and, um, Mm-hmm. Just the being together seems so crucial, and I think we're all very hungry for that these days now, too. Definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think as I look at the Great Commission, I think the Lord teaches me that um, he wants us to learn and grow very much together. Um, mm-hmm. And that that would also inform how we disciple one another, that we are in each other's, not everyday lives, but everyday life. And, mm-hmm. and our homes and situations. And then 
then he goes on to say that we're to baptize others in the name of the Trinity. And to me, this also affirms the call to live out our Christian lives in a loving community because God himself exists in, in a loving community. So um, for me, it follows that learning and growing in him can best happen together with others and not merely by ourselves. And I acknowledge that that's a pretty big challenge in our independent Western society. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We are very individual mm-hmm. in our identity in Christ, but I love that this brings out our identity, our communal identity in the Trinity. Mm-hmm. And so when you are baptized, you are immersed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And so it's that immersing your identity in community mm-hmm. and mirroring or emulating the community that they have with one another, that we can have that with them and with each other. And so I, I mm. love that communal aspect. Yeah, I like how you've put that, immersed in that, in that community. Mm-hmm. The other thing I see as I read the, the Great Commission is that Jesus calls us to teach others Sometimes I think we think to teach others to know everything he's commanded, but mm-hmm. it actually says mm-hmm. to, to obey <laughs> everything he's commanded. It's a different yeah, word. It mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, yeah. Not, not merely gaining knowledge or information. Right. And not only about our characters being changed, although that's crucially important, but but I believe that we're called to do what God tells us in his word we're to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Again, challenging. <laughs> but possible. Yeah. But possible with him. Definitely. Mm-hmm. But I love it also that the obey comes after the relational component. Mm-hmm. That, you know, to be immersed into this community of, of love, of self-giving, yeah. of deference of um, Jesus even obeyed the father. And so there's a community of obedience. And once you're in that security of that love and self-giving community, that gives you the grounds Mm. to which to learn obedience. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so I love the order of that, that it's not obedience and then you get community. It's the community, the love, the safe place. And then out of that, you learn to obey and trust even more. Right. Yeah, yeah, very definitely. And it makes me... You really had a way with words. You did. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and just uh, just remembering Jesus saying, too, you know, I will be with you till the very end of the age, mm-hmm. right at the end of that commission. Yeah. So never alone. Mm-hmm. So I would say, ideally, our learning environments would address these areas, our identity, mm-hmm. our community, the obedience and the way we live, and it gives us mission mm-hmm. and purpose, that it's not something that ends in the, the classroom or the small group, but we, each time we are sent out, and I love how Jesus says that he called the disciples to be with them, him, so that he could send them out. Right. But then it was always, they returned back to him and he could, 
they could process what they learned or how they felt or did they need encouragement? And then they would get that back with him and then he would send them out again. And Mm -hmm. so it's this, this beautiful picture of being with him to be sent out and then to come back with him. And always Mm -hmm. sent out with at least one other, right? That we're never, we're never alone, that we're, yeah, in that Mm -hmm. loving, accepting community, but also, um, a community with accountability and mm-hmm. yeah and just that we have yeah. each other's backs really incredible yeah. so mo you have lived in a variety of cultures and countries how would you describe some of the different learning environments either positive or negative well i i contacted some of my latvian colleagues to comment on this because they are the experts on their culture even though i yeah, I mean, right. I lived there 20 years, mm-hmm. but um, but they know their culture the best. Sure. And um, mm-hmm. so some of the positive learning environments that they spoke of would include uh, more recently in schools, you know, students sitting in groups and working together to mm-hmm. solve some problem or questions given by a teacher. Um, another leader who is a teacher said that sometimes they have students and teachers sitting in a circle indicating some level of equality with each other and then learning wow. together as they communicate mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. And um, as far as thinking about positive learning environments for adults in Latvia, especially I would say amongst emotionally healthy people, that would mm-hmm. include places um where there's freedom to express opinions that might be different from somebody else's opinions. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe places where people are genuinely interested in what other people have to say. Um, and not mm-hmm. just the, the person in authority, let's say a professor's opinion, but what about my, the guy who sits beside me, uh, his opinion. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, very positive when um, there's an opportunity to discuss things and have time to reflect on what they've heard. Mm-hmm. So those were some of the positive learning environments um, that my leaders in Latvia shared. And um, some of the negative learning environments they spoke of would be the, the ever popular lecture style. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So when the speaker delivers information, the listeners frantically try and write it all down or record it. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I mean, this that kind of environment doesn't give much opportunity for feedback usually. Um, the speaker's mm-hmm. generally sharing information that they want to share, not always what, mm-hmm. what the learners are wanting to learn. And right. it usually gives the learners no opportunity to like to shape that learning process or to ask for clarification in real mm-hmm. time. Yeah. And some of the, the most commonly felt negative learning environments for the Latvian leaders that we train in and trust seem to stem from their own school days, which for many of them were in the Soviet times or at least still influenced by, by those times and that ideology. Mm-hmm. And um, mm-hmm. so some of that, what was so hard for them in their school days was just the pressure to give the right answer um, mm-hmm. and the pressure yeah. to give the answer that they felt the teacher especially wanted to hear. And mm-hmm. um, together with that, there was real fear about giving a wrong answer. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what will the teacher say? How will my classmates react? 
Um, mm-hmm. They talk about accepting information without analyzing it and then just regurgitating it back from memory to the teacher. And mm-hmm. in, in all of that, there was such a strong sense of shame uh, being forced to stand and mm-hmm. give these stress-filled answers in front of the classmates. A yeah, lot of pressure. yeah, very, very much so. Mm-hmm. That, that goes right to the heart of who you are. Right, right. And then as I think of um, women I have been involved with here in Canada, it's, it's in many ways similar to what our Latvian sisters have shared. In Canada, some of the positive environments would include a lot of collaborative learning. And the negative environments would include, yeah, lecture again with no real opportunity for interaction. Mm-hmm. Some of the other um, negative learning environments I've experienced, I think really cross many if not most cultures when i think of uh, small mm-hmm. group dynamics let's say where where yeah. a leader may not be trained and may not be aware of some of the things going mm-hmm. on so you know i we probably all can relate to groups where the talkers talk a lot where the quiet mm-hmm. ones withdraw and then we lose out on them mm-hmm. um yeah i think uh silence is is a hard thing to to appreciate for some of us, I think. We try and fill it very mm-hmm. quickly, but mm-hmm. but that silence is so important for internal processors that you've talked about already on your podcast, for them to be able to think their thoughts, mm-hmm. right, before they mm-hmm. speak them out loud. And then, you know, sometimes uh, questions are asked that really don't encourage good discussion or questions mm-hmm. can be terribly mm-hmm. leading where... <laughs> you know what I mean uh-huh. we, right. we tend to spend way more time trying to figure out what the leader wants to hear instead of listening or thinking with the mind that Christ has given us or listening to the spirit right. these are great examples and I can relate to all of them and it's just you see the pattern of uh, whether it's freedom to truly express or if it's being forced into a mold of what Mm, the teacher wants mm -hmm. to hear or regurgitating back something that the teacher has said but no real room for questions or talking it through or debating it it's um it's a real uh black Mm -hmm. and white instead of uh wrestling through the the journey together yeah so if you were to describe any of these learning environments as in terms of a metaphor, what metaphors would you use? Well, if I, if I think of the best positive learning environment, mm-hmm. um, this, this, these metaphors I've heard both in Latvia and in Canada, and um, it's a metaphor of a garden mm-hmm. or also a metaphor of going on a journey. The Latvians are amazing gardeners. Yeah, Mm, as are the people on the Canadian prairies where my husband and I now live. Mm -hmm. So again, I'm quoting one of our main leaders in Latvia, and she said, you can really develop this metaphor of the learning environment as a garden. There's so much in there. Um, So there's a seed uh, that grows only after it dies, our dying Mm -hmm. to ourselves so that Christ's Mm -hmm. life in us will bloom and grow. Um, The seed requires Mm -hmm. water and sunshine to grow, um, just like we require Mm -hmm. faith. 
um, as God's gift to us and his grace and his mercy, his spirit and his word and his people, all these gifts of God given mm -hmm. to us to help us grow and ultimately become like Jesus. Mm -hmm. um, she brought out another uh, analogy in the, in the garden metaphor, which I thought was really lovely. She said, um, mm -hmm. in a garden, there's often many kinds of flowers and vegetables, herbs, whatnot, that grow. And they're very mm -hmm. different one from another. They have different needs. Yeah. Um, they fulfill different purposes, just like every mm -hmm. individual in the body of Christ. I love all of the different places you can take this and you can see yourself uh, in the the father being the gardener and abiding mm -hmm. in him and the different, I love seeing ourselves as the different yeah. plants yeah. and herbs and flowers or vegetables. And I've even seen where, you know, you may have a vegetable garden and you put different flowers in it because they assist in the growth of the other That's one. Great. And so, and I am no gardener, but I have mm -hmm. seen that uh, represented and um, shared by other gardeners that they say, oh, no, you're supposed to put this right. kind of flower with this kind of vegetable because it will help it grow or it will keep the weeds away or uh, that they they work mm -hmm. in a synergy together mm -hmm. that it is. is remarkable. Yeah. God's design. That's great. Now I'd like to talk specifically about women. What do you see as some of the messages women in particular from a variety of cultures have received that may be discouraging them to personally engage in learning? Yeah. Um, so our Latvian leaders, again, would answer this similarly to the challenges of their school days. Um, women feel like they always have to be good. They always have to be perfect. They have to perform, preferably flawlessly. Or else, yeah, or else yes. be ashamed or feel ashamed uh -huh. in front of others. Wow. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I've noticed over the years that when they come to our entrust training in Latvia, it's very often very difficult for them to share their, their honest thoughts, which might be imperfect, mm. um, which might be still in process. Um, and then I think, mm -hmm. too, the pressure to have the right answer when they talk about the Bible that pressure can can mm -hmm. be so heavy sure. and in canada the pressure to perform i think can be very similar even though our histories are very different um, also sometimes we have women in a training with very different amounts of biblical education or different kinds of christian mm -hmm. backgrounds and i've heard from those who are more new to their faith that they they can feel very intimidated when we start practicing facilitating bible studies and they they feel like they don't know enough and you know what can i say mm, compared mm -hmm. to this lady that's been a missionary for 40 years well and i see in especially in the evangelical church and you touched on this earlier how we have sort of elevated the cognitive mm -hmm. knowledge um yeah. aspect of learning to such a degree that it's um in you so gently and wonderfully reminded us it's not it's not teaching them right. to know everything but yes. to obey. <laughs> but 
but we've elevated this mm-hmm. this knowledge and you know how much do you know and do right. you know the greek and you know have you looked it up in the in the concordance and and you know did you know the inner workings of the theology and so um it can be intimidating um and it can lead us in a direction that we don't necessarily want to go because it's not about how much we know, but it's how um, even what a small thing that we know can, can impact mm-hmm. our values and, and change our lives. And so um, the knowledge and cognitive part of the faith doesn't have to go right. to such depth. And, and I think as you were talking, I was thinking even how we obey the same scripture can look mm-hmm. wildly different um, one mm-hmm. person to the next. And, and just to, you know, allow every one of us to experience God's grace and how we obey. So true. So what are some ways you work to address some of these challenges and to draw out some of that honesty and authenticity and really communicate that, that this is something new, that this is mm-hmm. a safe place where we can truly uh, express where we are and what we think and and how we're coming at right. the scriptures. Well, I think I think in both countries we work hard to try and create a loving atmosphere of accepting one another just how we mm-hmm. are. Um, we really try to emphasize that we're all quite different and that's good, mm-hmm. that we're all created mm-hmm. in God's image. And uh, as one of our Canadian mm-hmm. ladies loves to say, God don't make junk. <laughs> he just doesn't. <laughs> so um, to do this, we, we try to create this safe and emotionally accepting environment. And one, mm-hmm. one thing that we do every time in the training is to take time to share something of ourselves with each other. And we usually try and do that near the mm-hmm. beginning of our training. And we as facilitators always go first. And our goal in going first is to show an example um, as we try to be as vulnerable and as honest as we can. And um, Mm -hmm. we try not to just share the victories, but also to share the things going on in my life today that I'm still struggling with. And there's no victory yet. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And then we take time for people to ask questions of the person sharing and in that way show interest and care Mm -hmm. and then we pray for each person Mm -hmm. and uh, in Latvia especially these times of personal sharing are so highly valued that if if a woman really begins to open up and share deeply in that culture where Mm -hmm. trust has been so trampled on everything else will Mm -hmm. shift in the schedule and we will just stop and take time to listen mm-hmm. to her and love her. So I see that as a really wow. beautiful way that, that the Latvians are responding. Um, mm-hmm. It's powerful. Yeah. And then regarding mm-hmm. people coming to training with various levels of Bible knowledge or Christian experience, we just try to talk mm-hmm. about it. We, we try to acknowledge, mm-hmm. you know, the different ways that we are. And just to emphasize again that everyone's accepted, everyone's valuable. And everyone's needed mm-hmm. for whatever mm-hmm. it is that God wants to do in us, in that particular grouping of people. And so, mm-hmm. um, for instance, if someone has acknowledged that they feel intimidated, we try and be aware of that. And then 
uh, build them up and acknowledge mm-hmm. ways that they are strong and mm-hmm. capable in front of the group. For instance, when we learn that for somebody it's hard to read out loud, we give them other meaningful ways to engage. There's lots, yeah, lots of ways for everyone to be involved in ways that feel comfortable and mm-hmm. life-giving for them. Mm-hmm. I love that, giving them other meaningful mm. ways to engage and uh, that really draws out their giftedness and their mm-hmm. their comfort level and that you don't all have to be this this one way. I also like the different places where we are in our knowledge, because if I have been in the scriptures for years and I think I know a lot, and maybe I do know a lot, maybe I have done a lot of mm-hmm. study and careful work, but to listen to a person who is new in the faith and is coming to the Bible, maybe for the first or second time, this passage, they could mm-hmm. have such a fresh insight or such a new insight that I would say, yes, wow, I never saw that. I never thought of that before. And that is amazing. And so, you know, scripture is alive and active and right. it's not our knowledge, but it's the power of the word. And that no matter how expert mm-hmm. in knowledge or you know even mm-hmm. just seasoned and mature I may be a new fresh perspective can still be mm-hmm. just as life-changing as my years of of study and so um I just love that you know giving each yes. person a voice to to share how the Holy Spirit is yeah. guiding them and in you know truth. Amber that reminds me mm-hmm. of why we need older women and younger women together in in mutual discipleship Mm -hmm. or mentoring relationships right because so and it's not just Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. that us older ones have something to teach the younger ones it's very much mutual that we're we can Mm -hmm. learn from each other very much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so true so what are some other metaphors that you have found helpful in inviting women into this learning dialogue where they have some something to offer one another mm-hmm. as well as the Well, I think both the, the metaphors already mentioned, the going on a journey with others mm-hmm. or gardening, mm-hmm. th- those are very helpful um, mm-hmm. as all kinds of different input mm-hmm. and expertise is needed. And provided by differently gifted people mm-hmm. in gardening, in, in the journey. Another metaphor, though, that comes mm-hmm. up in both of the countries that I love um, is a metaphor of the human body. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12. Mm-hmm. And I think we instinctively know that we want all the various parts of our body to play their role well. Right. <laughs> we don't want anybody left yes, out. Yes, yes. And we want them to, Mm -hmm. the different parts to do what they were made to do because they're very good at that. I think it it just speaks to the value that that all contributions are important, um, especially as as they function together in a unity, in a healthy body, Uh, Mm -hmm. even though they're very different from each other, Mm -hmm. but, but each so important. Yeah. I had a friend in a small group and she was biking and she fell off her bike and she really smashed her pinky finger. (laughs) 
And so you think, okay, that sounds painful, but she oh had my. to have multiple surgeries and she said, y'all do not realize <laughs> what we use our pinky fingers for. She goes, they're incredibly useful and and not until you mm. injure it or damage it do you realize just how powerful a role it plays yeah. in your everyday life. And I think this metaphor of the body is so critical because, you know, you can go from your pinky finger to your big toe mm-hmm. to your ears, yeah. you know, giving you balance. <laughs> just that like these, these seemingly little parts of our bodies play incredible roles and I think when we can sit and meditate on that and see our different um, parts that there truly is no part of the body that uh, Mm -hmm. when it's taken out of commission um, that the body functions well and so I love that you brought that out here because I hadn't I hadn't thought of that before and that comes um, to play at every funeral if you think about it, um, we think of all mm. that that person has done and meant to us and meant to so many people. And I think, yeah, there, there literally is no human being created by God that's not that important, so valuable to the rest of us. Just, mm. Lord, give us mm-hmm. eyes to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Going back to Jesus' example, we wouldn't want to reduce his teaching to a metaphor, but how might his ways of teaching give us some insight into discipleship learning? Well, maybe this seems too obvious, but as I let my mind wander through various teaching situations that Jesus was in, I think that he taught as the very best teacher with his students or as the very best parent with their child. That's what I saw. Mm. He knew the people that he was communicating with. And so then he used very practical examples that he knew would make sense to them, his listeners. So I was Mm. just flipping Mm -hmm. through uh, in the book of Luke, and sometimes he spoke of birds and wildflowers Mm -hmm. and trees or Mm -hmm. the number of hairs on a person's head or a master with his servants, which was common in those days or a groom with his bride, or Mm -hmm. I love too that he wasn't afraid Mm -hmm. to speak about things that was women's work in those days, right? He'd talk about yeast Mm -hmm. that a woman would put into Mm -hmm. the bread she makes. I love that you brought out parent in this. I hadn't really thought of that before, but when you said that, it reminded me of the story when James and John's mother comes to Jesus and said, (laughs) would you please let my sons have the right and the left of your, when you come into your kingdom? And they were, which we follow it. It makes sense. They were thinking, you know, kingdom, Mm -hmm. political, that they were going to be in public service. And yet Mm -hmm. he's so gentle with them. And instead of, getting frustrated and angry and don't you guys get it he brought a child and said unless you become like a child Mm -hmm. you will not enter the kingdom of heaven and it just shows that he's not in this political realm of looking down on Mm -hmm. people or exerting power but he's in a family realm 
And he says, who is my mother? Who are my brothers and sisters? Unless you become like a child and you see over and over in scripture, these family relationships that he wants to have with us, even in terms of his kingdom, I think it's Mm -hmm. really turns us on our heads a little bit and, and shakes us out of our uh, thinking to a, yeah. a totally different way of thinking, mm-hmm. but it's so important. And I, I've always loved the the truth that when I said yes to Jesus and repented and just threw myself on His mercy, that you know I didn't join a group mm-hmm. or a religion, but I was brought into a family. <laughs> that has always mm-hmm. um, yeah. given me such security. And I think that's. An experience of being known. You come into a place where you're you're seen and you're deeply yeah. known and loved. That's what we're growing into, aren't we? Yes. Yeah. Yes. And it's a process. It's a process of learning that trust and um, learning to accept, mm-hmm. accept that welcoming in, which leads us to um, what ways does this process of inviting women to engage in learning and growing require trust. I think that if women are going to learn and grow in deep ways, they will need to be able to trust Mm -hmm. others um, with their questions that come up, Mm -hmm. with the uncertainty that they'll feel as they're learning and growing, because Mm -hmm. sometimes you have to let go of those old assumptions Mm -hmm. Um, in order to learn new ways of being and thinking. And it's an unsettling process. And I think you mentioned Mm -hmm. depth. I I think that we need people of depth who are willing to hear our complicated questions or complicated situations and Mm -hmm. who will not try and give simplistic answers, uh, but more listen and Mm -hmm. and be with us and help us process Mm it. And um, sometimes the learners in a group are established leaders, maybe even learning together with other people from the congregation that they are over in some kind of leadership. And so these Mm -hmm. leaders need Mm -hmm. to trust the others that as they admit to things they don't know or admit to ways, yeah, Mm -hmm. that they have to grow in their own character. Mm -hmm. Wow, can can they trust the others in a group with this? Mm -hmm new vulnerability, um, mm-hmm. new, honestly, not having all the answers, and maybe even having some serious mm-hmm. questions, maybe even questioning things in their faith. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this kind of leadership training we offered in trust really requires all of us, both um, those participating as well as us mm-hmm. facilitating, requires us to be so real and to be who we truly are mm-hmm. in the process, which is really messy. Um, <laughs> yes. Be humble enough to learn uh-huh. from each other and to be okay to not have all the answers. Mm-hmm. And especially that is okay because Jesus is with us and he knows we don't have the answers. So, yeah, yes. I think this does require a very deep level of trusting God um, as we're in the process of daring to mm-hmm. trust each other. And it does require that we think deeply about issues, um, that we don't settle for pat answers. These kind of answers that have no depth or no life, but really to be in the process with one another.
Yeah. And I think that goes back to just being with each other. Like Jesus invited the disciples to be with him and to say, I don't have the answers for you because there are no answers. It's not a simple answer that you can get from me or anybody else, but I will be with you where you are, even if it's undone, if it's messy, if we're in the middle of the journey and we're, we're struggling in the, in the wilderness here, but I will be with you. And I think that's, um, you're so right. You know, this quest for answers and to know things it, when I think that Mm -hmm. way, I, it allows me to be, or to think I can be independent and um, yeah, it's, it's great that you bring us back mm-hmm. to that. We're made to be dependent on the Lord. Just mm-hmm. as you said, Jesus was dependent on his father. Mm-hmm. He's always our example in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's a vulnerable Yeah, it is counter be. every culture, I think. Yes, <laughs> counter every culture. I love that. Uh-huh. So, Mo, when you see a woman discover her value and contribution, not only in God's sight, but in his mission, how would you describe that feeling? Amber, Um, it's why I do what I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It makes me want to cry and Mm -hmm. laugh and dance all at the same Mm -hmm. time. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love seeing women (laughs) find their voice. That's how it seems to me that they're finding their voice. Mm I love it when, when people listen well to each other, when they really see the other person and then love them um, for who they really are, the person they're daring to show mm-hmm. you. I always mm-hmm. think of this, that God has called us to be a kingdom of priests or a royal priesthood. And so all of us, men and women, are, mm-hmm. are called and equipped by God to represent him to others, as well as to intercede for others to God. Mm-hmm. And so when I see a woman discover the strength and the beauty that God has put in her, and when she stops denying that and dares to accept it and even celebrate it, there's nothing better than that. Mm. A person really becoming who they're meant to be. When a woman genuinely accepts who she is in God's sight, then it, it flows and the multiplication happens because she realizes she's, she is blessed. And she's mm-hmm. blessed to be a blessing to others. There's the mission that, mm-hmm. that she's a valuable member of the priesthood of all yeah. believers. She's a disciple of Christ. And she's called and equipped to disciple others who disciple others. This identity that she has in Christ includes her calling to join him in his mission, to invite everyone to be reconciled to him. So, yeah, it's, it's life. It's extremely life-giving to be, to be able to join mm-hmm. the Lord in his work. I love it that we see throughout scripture um, mm-hmm. banquets and parties and celebrations all throughout the Old Testament and the Gospels and the New Testament that that is what it's like to be in the kingdom. And when you say <laughs> it makes me want to cry and laugh and dance and all at the same time, I think like, yes yeah you know like that's Mm -hmm. it and he's like i'm right there with you and it is beautiful and it is a celebration and of uh who who we are as redeemed women and men in jesus and that uh, we can be free to do 
to do all of that. And it is such a treasure when we receive the gift of another person's Mm -hmm. vulnerability, another person's trust, another person's depth that sometimes just taking a moment of silence to really honor that and receive it is seems appropriate. Mo, thank you for joining us today. I could go on and on with you and um, I hope you come back to join us so we can continue another discussion on another topic. Thank you, Amber. This was, this was really life giving and, and fun to do with you. Thank you. Goodbye. All right. Until next time. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Sacred Spaces. I would love to stay connected with you on Facebook and Instagram. I'm at Amber number four and trust. That's A-M-B-E-R number four, E-N-T-R-U-S-T. To find out more about my ministry with Entrust, head over to my website at www.amberforentrust.com. That's A-M-B-E-R number four, E-N-T-R-U-S-T dot com. Thanks again for joining me today, and I hope you find ways to create sacred spaces in your journey.